0: Do I love my neighbor? Do you love them? Can I feel his pain and his me the willingness?
1: Welcome to Freedom to choose. Brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit that gives hope to people that were caught in the devastation of addiction or overrun by emotions in this series. Learn how to identify feelings, what motivates actions, and find biblically based solutions to manage emotions. Rich and Susan Collenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom 15 years ago from their out of control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now, Here's Rich and Susan with solutions for freedom for those you love.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the program today. My name is Rich Kallenberg. And
2: my name is Susan Kallenberg.
0: Susan, as we continue our series on emotions and things that are connected with emotions, uh, what will we talk about today?
2: Today, we're going to talk about self-esteem or self-respect, how we think of ourselves, and more importantly, what God thinks of us.
0: Okay, great. Well, would you uh, please open today's program with a word of prayer?
2: Yes. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the start of a new program. And uh, we're thankful that you desire us to know um, what you think of us. And, and it's your heart's desire for us to be settled in that truth. We pray that you will um, just help us to to say the right words and so we can all learn from each other regarding um, who you are and what you're about. And we thank you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Um, Matthew eighteen twelve, 12, uh, Jesus says,
2: What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety and nine on the hills and go to look for the one that has wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you, the truth is, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost.
0: And when we talk about self-esteem and self-worth, I'm gonna use those synonymously because that's what we're talking about. It's a person's feeling of self-worth. Um, I would like to read a commentary on that, um, on those verses in Matthew 18 from a book, uh, one of my favorite books, called Christ Object Lessons. And I want you to listen to this commentary, and I want you to put yourself in the place of that lost sheep and really think about what God could be communicating to you and how does that give you a sense? Because Christ would not have put that in Matthew 18, If there wasn't a really deep meaning because there were a lot of shepherds and a lot of sheep around it that
2: right he knew his audience he knew he he was he was trying to give them um a word picture of of what god was really like
0: an object lesson and even if you think about it even when king david who was a shepherd also a shepherd boy when he made that terrible mistake what did nathan the prophet come and give him the object lesson about A lamb. A lamb. Mm -hmm. You see, now uh, let's go on with this commentary here. When God uh, God looks at you, this is what he sees. If there had been but one lost soul, Christ would have died for that one. The sheep that has strayed from the fold is the most helpless of all creatures. It must be sought for by the shepherd, for it cannot find its way back so with the soul that has wandered away from God he is as helpless as the lost sheep and unless divine love comes to his rescue he could never find his way to God the shepherd who discovers that one of his sheep is missing does not look carelessly upon the flock that is safe and say I have 99 it will cost me too much trouble to go in search of the straying one let him come back I will open the door and let him in. No, no sooner does the sheep go astray than the shepherd is filled with grief and anxiety. He counts and recounts the flock. When he is sure that one sheep is lost, he does not sleep. He leaves the ninety and nine within the fold and goes in search of the straying sheep. The dark and more stormy the night and the more difficult the way the greater is the shepherd's anxiety and the harder he searches. He makes every effort to find that one lost sheep. What relief when he hears in the distance its first faint cry. Following the sound he climbs to the steepest heights. He goes to the very edge of the cliff at the risk of his own life. Harder and harder he searches why the cry while the cry growing fainter tells him that his sheep is ready to die at last his effort is rewarded the lost is found but even then he doesn't scold it because it's caused him so much trouble he doesn't drive it with a whip he doesn't even try to lead it home in his joy he takes the trembling creature upon his shoulders if it's bruised And wounded, he gathers it in his arms, pressing it close to his bosom, that the warmth of his own heart may give it life. With gratitude that his search has not been in vain, he carries it back to the fold. Wow. Have you ever experienced that? Mm. Did you ever think that God was going after you like that? Personally? Personally.
2: Yes. I I think that at the time of my addiction, when I was at the very lowest point of my life, I knew that there was something sustaining me because I was incapable of going on on my own. You know, I knew that that I was all done and that, that God was there and that he rescued me.
0: Yeah. That's why this story has such meaning to me because as it says, he hears that faint cry and I can remember like it was yesterday crying out to god for god to help me and he heard that cry and he went in search of that lost sheep and just like the story says he did not drive me back with a whip nor scold me and uh, just to know that everything's okay and that's how much god loved me and wanted me back just to know that gave me a sense of value
2: that's right and so we want to ask the listeners that's how much, and and let you know that that's how much God loves you, and he will go to any length to save you. So this is the question, do you believe it? How does that make you feel about yourself?
0: Do you really believe it? See, especially nowadays with all the um, cameras in the phones and YouTube and everything, and you else. need
2: to be like this and to dress like dress this like and look that like that, and, that and, and have this and have that and drive this. We're and so, so go there and
0: yeah, this kind of car, this kind of dress, act this kind of because we're so concerned about what others see, and in so many societies, a person's worth is determined by their talents, their gifts, or their appearance, and all that stuff. So we do look at outer outward appearance because really that's all we can see, right? But what happens is, is we use that as a barometer. And so our com- concept of self is often shaped by the reactions others display based on their outward observation of us. If everyone tells you you're pretty, you'll be more likely to view yourself as pretty. If everyone tells you you're.
2: Not so pretty? Not
0: so pretty. Or if you tell yourself you're not so pretty. Right. Um, you see, and so.
2: You act accordingly.
0: There's always much more to each of us than meets the eye. Individuals experiencing low self-esteem or low self-worth need to think in terms of personal traits or attributes that are of true value and not necessarily what the world values because so often what the word world values is of no value to God.
2: That's right. There may be exceptions, but most societies tend to place excessive value in outward observable features, while other traits such as honesty kindness temperance or firm commitment to principles and ideals tend to occupy second place in everybody's minds that's
0: right why why we we shouldn't think of ourselves more highly than we ought but the word of, of god does not condemn a proper self-respect as sons and daughters of god we should have a conscious dignity of character a character which pride and arrogance will have no part but we need to be aware we need to hold our heads high and and we need to have dignity dignity carry ourselves like that
2: that's right Romans twelve three says for by the grace given me I say to every one of you do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you
0: see he's saying think of yourself with sober judgment though
2: right and just as just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Romans twelve six says, We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is con- contrib- contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully.
0: You know, you can look around your church and you see, I mean, there's a guy named Jerry in our church. And this guy, you say, jump, and he just, how high? He is so eager to serve. And he, and he runs a youth group, and he's the head elder, and he does all these, and I just admire his gumption, his get-up and go—he's just a helpful. His commitment. He's to, a to commitment. Do. He's a helpful person, you know. Just, and these are these are the types of people that make up the body of Christ, and it's these um, attributes, these these characteristics, is, uh, that we need to um, we need to support on these people in the church instead of trying to pick out what's wrong with them. And pointing a finger. Instead was,
2: of having that critical mind.
0: Yeah. The, the People in the church are our allies. You know, we're one body. We're we're at war.
2: A L- lot of times we're at war with one
0: another. <laughs> yeah. Instead of the enemy. I mean, who's the real enemy? We forget sometimes. Right. The enemy is, is Satan. It's the adversary. Right. It's not the church members. You know, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Right. But it's principalities and powers. Now, in Romans, Paul explains that the body of Christ needs the input of each member according to the individual's gifts given to them by grace. There's nothing wrong in acknowledging these gifts, using them to strengthen Christ's church, and thanking God for them. See, now, there is a desirable middle area between extremely low self-esteem and arrogance. And I know this because I lived through this. I, when I graduated from high school, I was very uh, self-conscious, and uh, I had low self-esteem, low... Uh, I, I just tried everything to make everybody like me. I bought, you know bought the nice car and, and did all the stuff that you're supposed to do to get people to like like you. but is extremely low self-esteem the cause of arrogance? In other words, does someone need to put themselves above others to be okay with themselves because of a bad self-image? See if you don't know who you are in Christ, you're going to have issues right. But Christ is the one who can make you who you are.
2: Right, because there's no measuring up needed to
0: to Christ. Exactly. You keep your eyes on him and he will change you into some someone dignified and admirable. And and that's the that's the difference. But if right, we
2: trust in him instead of trusting in
0: ourselves. Exactly. You you can run around trying to make yourself I know you're a people pleaser, huh? Yeah. <laughs> No, but I mean, we, we do. We try to please people. We try to, and well, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that. But when that becomes our total focus and goal. then we, we
2: get worn out and we, tired and resentful and everything else. And I'm hoping that as I, as I grow and mature in Christ, that things are changing, that I'm learning that um, I, that um, it, it's not just about me having to be liked by other people. That
0: Or getting that pat on the back. It's great to have the pat on the back but a Christian really doesn't need it. That's right. See, once again, if we follow the biblical advice, we stay out of the trap. In Philippians, Paul says...
2: In Philippians 2, 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. And
0: that's the key, because see, if you're trying to make yourself look good, that's selfish ambition, just to get that pat on the back. Because we get the warning in Philippians, and if you esteem others better than yourself,
2: then you're going to want to do things for other people and it's exactly. comes from the right motivation in the heart
0: exactly
2: so let each of you look out not only for his own interests but for but also for the interest of others and it also
0: says not only for your own interests it's not you're not supposed to neglect your own interests and I- interests and run around killing yourself for other people i mean there's got to be a balance but we must remember we need to know who we are in Christ the traits of character we cherish as the natural man the fleshly man cherishes is selfishness self-love self-indulgence indulgence and and these characteristics they will reproduce themselves they really will mm-hmm. the more selfish they
2: kind of breed on themselves yeah, the
0: more selfish you are the more selfish you want to be and the easier it is to be selfish and uh but you know your capital is your character cherish it as you would a golden treasure moral purity self-respect a strong power of resistance these need to be firmly and constantly cherished believe it or not our mind our character and our dignity can all be degraded especially by dishonesty you know for the most part like a habitual liar will soon lose all of his self-respect uh, you know anything about lying
2: i was a professional at it
0: a professional yes, at it
2: a professional liar when did you
0: lie all the time all it didn't matter didn't
2: matter well, just
0: lied just a lie i
2: just lied right. i just lied because that's what came out of my mouth because i i thought that i had to produce something so that you would like me so i i tried to read your mind and 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 you know advanced try to be the person so, that i thought that you wanted me to be
0: okay see so so you did the same thing i did but i did it with buying a nice car or trying extra hard you did it with lying right. and it was all because we both had a poor self image right and 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 because we didn't have in our life right
2: I just wanted to be accepted I wanted to be the you know I didn't I wanted to be in the clique. I didn't want to be on the outside and yeah. so
0: yeah you know so uh, last night we had a surprise party for Susan it was her birthday and uh, and it, it's interesting when you're gonna throw a surprise party you have to lie about a lot of stuff but I mean I had I it, it was so funny because I had um, I'd sent I didn't want to her to get suspicious so I sent flowers to the work but I also bought some other flowers mm-hmm. and sent them to her sister's house so that we had a surprise party in a local restaurant so that her sister would take the other flowers to the mm-hmm. to the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And so uh, she checked the credit card and found out that I had uh, spent $130 on flowers, but the flowers that she had got was this little vase wasn't even... Uh, uh, 15 inches high and, uh, of little square vase of flowers. They were
2: beautiful. They, they just weren't they, they worth weren't $129. 100. And so, so I was she, concerned. So
0: she calls me up and she says, uh, Hey, uh, I, I'm, I'm really upset because these flowers that you bought uh, are not worth 130 bucks. What happened? And so I had to lie. I had to say, well, I, I ordered Valentine flowers for you too, all at the same time. And it's, so,
2: cause my birthday's in January. And so I'm wondering, um, Am I still getting the Valentine's Day
0: flowers? <laughs> see, because once you do that, now you have to tell another lie and another. And so, anyway, it was it, we were talking about that last night at the party about all the lies we had to do to keep her from knowing. And it reminded me back of the old life. Mm-hmm. What did I say? But if you tell the truth, you don't have to worry about what you said. Right. But see, everybody was looking around, going, "Yeah." And I had to tell her this, and I had to tell. Her. It was almost comical. But then I thought, that's how I used to live. Very scary. So let's think about this a moment for a moment. Do emotions affect self-esteem or does self-esteem affect emotions? See because self diminished self-esteem or self-respect is uh, it's a real problem today and it's often brought to counseling or pastoral office either by uh, itself or with an, it's associated with big problems like substance related abuse and that's where I went depression, that's that's another thing that tugs on me, eating disorders, any, any number of things because we don't know who we are in Christ. And so we think lowly of ourselves. In everyday existence, low self-esteem may never reach clinical proportions, but it almost invariably hurts relationships, impairs performance, and in most areas of the life, and it, it will drag you down. Mm-hmm. It will cause you to act like you shouldn't act. Right. Just in an effort, to exist that's
2: right conventional psychology sees self-esteem as the evaluation someone makes of their own attributes and characteristics based on one their observation of themselves and two on others input
0: okay so we we evaluate ourselves based on our uh, our observation of ourselves or and, and other people's input but what the problem is we can get into trouble because the Bible offers two more components to our self-worth or our self-respect and that is what are we by origin what are humans by origin and what does God think of us and what does he grant to each person you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and, and what does he think of us like the story of the lost sheep and so uh and then we think of John 3:16 how much he loved us that he wants to give us eternal life mm-hmm. i mean that should say something about our self-worth and, and and what God wants for us see God created man in his own image it's not a mystery there's no you know we we didn't evolve uh that teaching lowers the work of the creator to a level of man's narrow earthly conceptions men are so intent upon excluding excluding god from the sovereignty of the universe that they degrade man and and they defraud him of the dignity of his origin
2: mm-hmm. you know right
0: uh, think the- about uh uh In fact, read from Genesis. Read the account there in in Genesis chapter
1: 1.
2: Then God said, Let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them.
0: Just let that sink in. God created man in his own image the creator of the universe we don't know
2: makes us pretty special doesn't you, it
0: you would think right mm-hmm. but see satan has got us to buy the lie that we're come th- from eight we're product of pure chance you know a cosmic accident try that tonight as you uh, as you tuck your child in all nice and neat into bed lean over and whisper in his or her ear you're an accident but see that's what we're being taught right and see, if you tell someone long enough that they come from apes, sooner or later they're going to act like it. We just happen to come ex- into existence. See, this, this view, uh, it's getting more and more prevalent. It's deceived millions of people. And one of the worst deceptions about that is is our loss of self-respect because it robs us of the dignity that we should carry because we are created in, in God's, God's image. image that right. is a huge statement. And we just say, well, we're created in God's image. Well, come on. I, I don't know what Adam looked like before the fall, but I bet he was a magnificent creature mm-hmm. with powers that we can't comprehend right now. And all he was going to do was learn and get big, uh, get,
2: grow in, grow wisdom, in and- wisdom
0: and grow in strength and grow in might and and God was going to just keep expanding Adams capabilities mm-hmm. but we fell and now we have such a small uh, conception or a small view of what um, man God's original intent for man right, what was his
2: original purpose
0: was. yes right. um what I see in myself is one important component component of self-esteem however it's an incomplete and off and it's a faulty picture and so i need to look at what god values me at and not at not my own you know what i'm saying that's
2: right in the bible it says one of the gravest biblical warnings is against passing judgment on someone else or ourselves paul says for at whatever point you judge the other you are condemning yourself people are subject to commit mistakes when they judge each other we don't know what people's hearts are and in Luke 6:41, it says why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye but you do not perceive the plank in your own eye or how can you say to your brother brother let me remove the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye hypocrite first remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye
0: that's exactly right so God is saying you know what? You're going to make a mistake when you judge yourself or you judge others. So don't do it. Just don't do it. Right. Keep your eyes fixed on me. Let me take care of the judging. Let me come. Let me find you. Let me bring you back to the fold. Let me do the work. I just want you to understand how uh, how good I am, and that will change you.
2: That's right.
0: Um, remember now, it says in, in Matthew 22:37 love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself It's not pleasing to God that you should cut yourself down or beat yourself up you should cultivate self-respect by living so that you will be approved by your own conscience and biblical principles and that's how you can gain self-respect back Because knowing what God can do for you is all you need to know. So as we close today, we'd like you to keep in mind that there's a difference between having emotions and your emotions having you and that you have the freedom to choose.
1: Do I love my neighbor? to Freedom to Choose. There truly is hope for anyone whose life is in captivity, overrun with the devastation of addiction and unmanaged emotions. Rich and Susan are living testimonials, and they've created this seven-step, biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook for someone you know, or if you're a member of a church and you'd like to create a ministry in the area of addiction and unmanaged emotions, Rich and Susan can help you get started. Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to www.justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.